knowledge and possibly fake news about triathlon racing. This is not for the faint of heart. If you get offended or hurt by what is said, please stop listening and go listen to some uplifting meditation music or just go work out, then try again. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Pro Try News. I'm joined by the usual three suspects, Pat Lemieux, Mark Matthews, and Talbot Cox. Uh, how's everyone doing? We'll start with Talbot Cox, dressed to the nine. Well, yesterday I got in the car. I drove an hour up north to Southern Hills to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I watched the PGA Tour, and I watched Tiger Woods, and I was blown away and depressed at the same time because – the sport is so professional and I thought that triathlon was in the uprise. And then once I saw how big golf was, I said, we will never be anywhere near a professional sport. And then, so I dressed up today to try to, to attempt to make myself feel professional. Are you wearing pants? No, no. not wearing pants. Okay. I'm wearing Lululemon underwear, but that's about it. But I am wearing a Ralph. Oh, see, Oh, Mark's Mark's feeling the Good. same as well. This is a great this is a great announcement as well. If you're listening to this, you can actually see how incredible Mark and I look on YouTube. We are on YouTube now. Make sure you go, you watch the YouTube as well. So there you what go. About, what about pa? Ah, Kyle and Pat are in like t-shirt and yeah, yeah. It's I'm, in oh, yeah. I'm in the Lululemon hoodie, as you can tell. I'm dressed for a podcast. I'm dressed for a podcast. As am I, as am I always. Yeah, I'm all right, guys. I'm, uh, I did two nights with different groups of friends Friday, Saturday. And I've, I, I mean, I've been fresher, if I'm honest. I think I've banked about two hours sleep this weekend and I can't wait to get back to work for a rest, to be honest. I see you're not drinking tonight. Does, does that mean you drank very heavily on Friday and Saturday? Drinking's bad for you, Carl. Um, I'm on a cup of tea. Uh, I don't know if anyone caught what he said. I can't wait to get back to work for a rest. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope my boss doesn't listen to this show. There's, oh. a, there's no way my boss listens to this show. Who are we, oh, man. Who are we sponsored by, Kyle? Uh, we are sponsored by Inside Tracker now uh, for the next seven weeks. So Inside Tracker is a great way to get your biometrics measured and help take your training to the next level. It'll give you all the metrics that you've been looking for as far as, oh, am I low in vitamin D? Do I need to go outside and get some sunlight, go actually work out outside rather than sit on my Wahoo kicker and train on Zwift all the time? Or do I need to go outside and go for a walk? Um, am I low in some iron? Do I need to start incorporating a little bit of red meat into my vegan diet? Or supplements of some sort? Or any that, sort of supplements. Wait, do we all get do we all get access to Inside Tracker? It was originally just one person that got access, but if all of us need access, we do have a discount code of 20% off. Well, but if you want to start training, be be my guest. I mean, uh, I was just going to use it on my wife. She's always going to the doctor. I'm, I always had to pay a lot of medical bills, so I was trying to see if that could help out. <laughs> I oh, saw on me the other day. This is depressing. I was like, inside tracker? Oh, I guess because it tracks what's going on inside you. It just hadn't, hadn't cottoned on to me at all that that's what the name meant until the other day. I felt a bit daft. But no, yeah. big thanks to them for helping us out. We love it. That's perfect. So Talbot, tell Laura Jean to go to insidetracker.com forward slash pro try news. And for anyone on YouTube, if you look at the very bottom, it says this show is brought to you by Inside Tracker. Visit insidetracker.com slash pro try news. I will. Amazing. I'll actually go sign her up after this. So we had a lot of racing this weekend. Um, so let's get through the three kind of smaller races that we had beforehand. Um, we had 70.3 Marbella. Christoph de Kayser won the race. Um, Chris Leiferman got second place, just kind of ran out of real estate. Um, and then third place for Bradley Weiss. On the women's side, first place was Nikki Bartlett. Second place is Svenja. Oh, my gosh. Svenja Toes is what I'm going to assume that this says. Yeah. And then yeah. Frederica de Nicola got third. Yeah, so Chris Lifen was big favourite, but you're like you said, he didn't quite make the catch. And uh, it's really nice to see Nikki Bartlett back with a win. She's had a very successful career, but she's had a couple of quiet, maybe a year quiet or so. So nice to see her back. Yeah, always good. Uh, and then 70.3 Patty Cakes in the south of France. Clement Mignon got first place. Second place was Scott Steinberg. And third place, Mattia Cesarelli. In the women's race, first place was Barbara Riveros. Good to see her back in the winner's circle. Second place was Alexia Bally. And then third place, Ian Reichman. There's a lot of feedback. I don't know if someone's uh, hitting something or what. 
Someone might have to move their phone away from the computer. Might be the and computer then, away from the microphone. Yeah, or both. And then uh, we also had Ironman Lanzarote. Uh, first place, Kenneth, Van- Kenneth Vandendreis, who is a name we haven't heard since the Zwift Pro Tri series was going on uh, back in 2020. Second place, Matthias Peterson. And then third place, Philip Bake. And then the women's first place was Lydia Daint. Second place, Els Visser. And then third place, Elizabeth uh, where, where did where did you guys first hear the name Lydia Dan? I think it was you a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? It was me last week saying Lydia Dan was going to have a great race, and she's bagged her. This is, I think, maybe only her second professional race. Yeah, I think it's her it. first year pro. Yeah, so she turned pro last year, and she's bagged her first Ironman win, and she was just pretty convincing all day. And now Els Weiser is a is a very credible, good professional athlete, and actually her time in comparison to the men's was really very solid. So. Big up Lydia Dan on a, a very impressive first Ironman win. Get out some good points. So uh, the other two very big races we had was the Challenge Championship in Samarin. Saw Gustav Eden return to his glory um, despite having a flat tire in transition coming out of swim and aired up his tire in T1. Second place was Richard Varga and then third place was Thomas Steger. Do you guys think that this race further solidified that Gustav is the best over the middle distance? No, because the depth of field just wasn't there this weekend to to assess that. So with all due respect to the the podium, um, I don't want to take anything away from Gustav. Obviously he, like I said, he's the biggest threat, but it's, we, we can't be looking for too many conclusions after, after a race like this, Mark, would you agree? Yeah, I would. I mean, it, I like I like him. He looks very good. Um, but don't forget, like it was only this what this time up last yearish when he got beat time wise by Jan Fredino at the Collins Cup on basically the same sort of course. But he he was he was very convincing. He just jogged his way to the win. It, it looked it looked very solid. I was really pleased with Richard Varga. Yeah, uh, Richard Varga's been around this sport for an awful long time, and I was never convinced that he would make the transition to this type of racing very well, based on his aquathlon profile and stuff. Actually, he looked really good. And uh, Thomas Steger's got a hell of a run on him. It looks and like he's carrying beer kegs to the shop. We, 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 we saw a pretty good showing from Richard Varga through mile six or whatever in Texas. Um, but there's not many races in Slovakia. He's known as like, I mean, he's really done a lot for the sport in Slovakia, his home country, on uh, bringing juniors up and all that. So he has a little one there. So really, really good podium for him. I know he was stoked. If you watch his finish line video, I mean, he was absolutely stoked with his performance and he's always wanted to do good there. So hats off to him. Yeah, that's cool. And the women's side, we had uh, first place was Sarah Perisala, um, who basically led the whole day. Uh, her and um, Lucy Buckingham got out of the swim together, rode away. And but then Emma Pallant-Brown ran seven minutes into Lucy Buckingham to take second place. Lucy Buckingham third. We all said we'd have bet our houses on Lucy Buckingham making a podium last week and we would have been safe, as we pretty much always would be with Lucy. Uh, and then it rolled down to, like, to Fenella Language, I think, came in fourth. Um, yeah, women's race was less maybe exciting. I was... Uh, they, they. I thought between Lucy and Sarah, I thought it was twenty meters after all. They looked like they were playing hard and fast with that, but didn't make any difference. They were both riding beautifully. Um, what do we think about Ash Gentle just not really showing up? I think that it's just. I mean, we've we've seen Ashley race at the high level, but we haven't seen her race against some strong competition. And this was a little bit of some strong competition um, in Europe. So I guess we'll see how the year progresses with Ashley racing at the middle distance and go from there. I mean, Kyle, would the assessment also be here? I mean, now, now we've got a couple data points, right? We've got Miami, which was like a very punchy ITU style course and then Oceanside. And now in Samarin, it's just like, big time power on the pedals for you know roughly two hours and and the the style of the bike is much different and then subsequent run performance off of that so um, maybe she's just not as like dialed or honed in yet on that 80 kilometers uh on the bike and the conditions were pretty brutal as well they mentioned mentioned the current in the danube was pretty tough today and then they also um, I, I, I don't. I don't think it has anything to do with conditions. I mean, I think it's the overall result in the last three long distance races. 
I think it might just take time to figure out, or I'm sure her and her coach will go back and assess training, uh, different training methods or things like that. We, I think everyone here knows that, that Ashley is an incredibly talented athlete with a strong bike as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do after this race. So let's yeah. dive in. Let's dive into Chattanooga. Sorry, I had to go and tell Kat to shut up because she's talking loudly on the phone and she doesn't realise this is the most important hour of the week. Um, so I've, I've just squared that Unreal. away. Sorry, Who's she talking to at this hour? I mean, exactly. Who knows? I, you guys, I, I got the same problem. I can hear uh, Gwen and Stanley playing hide and seek and Stanley's locked himself presumably in a bathroom and Gwen is asking him, can you just unlock the door <laughs> so I can ensure that you're safe? And Stanley's yelling from the other side, I'm being safe. And, you know, Gwen's like, I don't necessarily believe you. Um, please unlock the door. Um, so we've all got our own, you know, background noise issues. We're not, Kyle, one day we're going to be in a, in a dedicated studio space. But in the meantime, there's some, there's some noise on the periphery that we're, that we are trying to balance. Oh, gosh. Brilliant. Well, 70.3 Chattanooga was no shortage of excitement. Um, first place was Jason West, his first big victory, I would say, um, from him moving over to the middle distance. Uh, second place was Matt Hansen, and then third place, Rudy Bomberg. What do you guys think? I just I need to I need to make a formal apology to Jason West. I am sorry. I doubted you. Um, I thought best case fourth or fifth. And um, you really, Jason really proved me wrong today. So I, I, I'm so happy for him. This was a really beautiful win. Um, I know we kind of, we Mark, we can probably get into some talk about the the bike situation, but regardless, he was one of five in that group and, and he made it look easy. I mean, his run was phenomenal, wasn't it? He really, really ran away with that. Like he was comfortably the best runner. And he basically got off the bike in touch with Matt Hansen, who, you know, he's a very, very good runner. It just got smoked. I think what Pat's alluded to, I was, I found it watched, I found watching a little bit difficult. I always do when it's, they're only using one half of a single lane highway. You have riders, motorbikes filming alongside. If you're behind that, i.e. your second, third wheel, and there's five motorbikes alongside riders in front, even though you're not directly behind, there's no way that group's breaking up. Can you think of another race where Matt Hansen and the likes of Jason West are getting off the bike at the very front, the front group. Like, I can't remember the last time Matt Hansen got off the bike at the front of a race. Well, uh, I just I can't. I think that so, you can literally go back, re- go back to the Chattanooga Ironman episode with Joe Skipper, Sam Long and all that. I was out there on course, even chatting with a friend of mine who shot media today. That course, that race should not be a professional race. The bike course is an absolute nightmare. It has local traffic on it. You're assigned to one side of the road. I just don't think that it should be a professional course. Amateur course, incredible. I mean, beautiful city. The community there is absolutely amazing. I think that, I mean, thankfully, the North American Championship does rotate and move, but don't think that the professionals need to be racing on that course, in my opinion. It's just you have to take into consideration media these days. So the course has to be built around media. Yeah. Sounds like um, Pat's Pat's boys got out of the bathroom as well. That somebody like. somebody was found. I'm not sure if it was Gwen or Stanley, but somebody's been located. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think the course works. I don't think the course works um, with saying you can't have a single lane bike course and film and race on it at the same time. It just yeah. doesn't work. Like the- I, I think the women's would have broken up more as well. Like. If, if you've got a, a female you're in front of and a massive motorcycle behind, sorry, if you're behind them both, the entire lane in front of you is covered by moving air. You'll get mm-hmm. the draft is huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing too, Mark, and this is, you know, we had this conversation back when Talbot, you remember Ironman Coeur d'Alene, right? It was the same thing where it was, it was too, it was even worse, right? Because it oh, was yeah. two way traffic on one lane. Yeah. Um, but I was looking, I was watching Jason West when they're filming him leading the run. I couldn't tell as a viewer where he was supposed to be going. Yeah. Many times I was like, I don't know which way the course is going. So we're not speaking about the bike here. But I think this does um, expose again, probably the course safety concerns that, that, I, that I do have sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. there, was a, there was a hell of a close pass as well on the bike. Was it Gillespie that came through? 
and yeah. he tanked through and then um, Steve McKenna jumped right on him. Steve McKenna is he 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 doesn't draft, I'm not saying that he because was he not the one that tried to do a pass in Oceanside and then Ocean couldn't Side. pass and hang back out? Yeah. Like he seems to fall foul to the rules rather than like understanding when he can pass. Um, yeah. but that was dodgy. That that looked between so then you've got a single carriageway, you've got a rider being overtaken, the rider doing the overtaken, and a motorbike filming him in a width of three meters, three and a half meters. It's just a little bit sketchy. We're we're back in the same situation that we run into with the ITU courses, right? Where they're just trying to fit a little too much into a small, um, too small of a road, I guess. But uh, like like Talbot says, though, this course exists because it's a beautiful age group course or a pro course pre all these motorbikes, cameras, and the professionalization mm-hmm. of the sport that we're seeing. Yeah. So it's potentially we have to re- review which courses are suitable for this professionalized coverage. And then they're the ones that get the, the American champs, all that kind of stuff. Possibly. Agreed. And then not only that, this you got to take into account, this does have the current assisted swim, which is harder for people to break up. So they do come uh, into yeah. T1 as a bigger group. Hence that, not saying that Matt's not a good swimmer, but a lot right. of these people were are all going to be in that group. And just like what Mark had said, it's hard for people to get away during times spot like that. On. Yeah, good spot. But, yeah. And then in the women's side of that race, um, it was a three, it was a four horse no, it was a three-horse race, wasn't it, really? The front of the bike, I mean, Holly went, that she got ridden up to. Jackie Herring, Paula Finley, and then Holly Lawrence, in that order, finished off the race. Now, we always like Jackie on the show. I think all of us know Jackie. Hugely popular and lovable athlete, and so we love to see her win. So kudos, Jackie. Yep. Um, she rode really well as well. She rode aggressively, and her and Paula ended up dropping Holly Lawrence, but Holly ran pretty solidly to take home uh, third place. It was a, it was a good women's race. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jackie Herring and Paula Finley stepped out into the run course together, ran through the first chunk together, and uh, Jackie just turned the screws on her. And yeah. and Marinda Carfer ended up fourth. Is that correct? Uh, fifth, fifth on the day. She yeah. got caught yeah. by Leslie Smith um, in the closing case. Okay, wow. So there was, but there was still a great race, even though they were minutes back from third. Fourth on its own was still a great race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic yeah. race. Yeah, and cool. Leslie had the fastest run of the day, running a one seventeen. So, okay, nice. wow, wow, yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, if you don't know about Jackie Herring, she she lives in Madison, Wisconsin. Mark, Madison, Wisconsin. They've got winter nine and a half months of the year. Oh, um, really. She, I mean, I'm I'm presuming that Jackie's already ridden thousands of miles this year, and I bet 80 percent of them have been done on a trainer. Yeah. Um, it's just the winter's that rough there, so tons of indoor training that she's been um, up to all winter, and this would have been one of like the first hot hot races um, that she's just done outside. So yeah, kudos to her. Yeah, we like it. So we think that it was almost a perfect storm of the bikes and the motorbikes and then the runners actually biking up past their potential here at this race uh i think so i think that's uh, that's just what it looked a little bit like to me but i there there also wasn't standout uber bikers like sam long would have ripped that group apart like lionel would have done the damage if he needed i would i would i would love and i think at one point they even started to ride away from rudy a little bit i'd love to hear rudy's feedback on what his average power was. He said that he was a little tired from his gravel race. I believe he did like the Belgian waffle riders or, or something beyond the lines mm-hmm. of, yeah. of that, uh, which hats off to him, but I'd love to know like what his power was and things like that. Uh, and he had an incredible pass towards the end of his race as well. He passed Jackson Laundry uh, in a, like a battle in the last couple Ks, which was not covered, was completely bummed because I'm sure it was an epic battle, especially given their history at Oceanside. I, I don't really know how the motos missed that. Um, but that was hats off to him for rounding oh, yeah. out the podium. Yeah, to take another podium. Rudy's a terribly consistent athlete, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he is. He's yeah. he, he's always there thereabouts. Yeah. yeah. So we're two we're two races into this outside coverage. What are our thoughts? I think it's great for the sport because we're finally getting like actual legit televised races. But there is still a long way to go, in my opinion. Well, it's my understanding that Ironman pays outside for this coverage not at all uh, outside would pay iron man this is essentially nothing different from what facebook is using in the past what happens is is facebook came in uh facebook partnered with wsl the world surfing league uh and then they put like a multi multi million dollar deal and was like we're going to host all the wsl surf competitions on facebook 
And then what happened was, is that WSL was like, oh, we want to be, let the athletes stream it on the um, WSL app. And they're like, no, it's Facebook only. And then so WSL was like, well, then we're out. So they bounced out of that contract. And then after that, they partnered with Iron Man because they needed to get something quick. So they partnered with Iron Man. That was about two to three years ago when Iron Man partnered them. So Iron Man pays, um, sorry, Facebook pays Iron Man a lot of money for their broadcast. So that's where they get the revenue and money to do that. But they never did 70.3s until they partnered with Outside. So Outside is the hosting platform and is paying Iron Man to host um, the 70.3 coverage on their platform. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I do actually really enjoy seeing the comments, believe it or not. I, I never thought I'd ever say that. I enjoy seeing people talking on the thing. And also, too, the amount of commercials is pretty mind-boggling. I do know that money needs to come somewhere from advertisements and stuff. Yeah, but, but, I mean, this is but, insane. But what's interesting, what, what what's confusing to me is that they're using Iron Man commercials. So if outside is paying Iron Man, why are they using Iron Man's spots for it? So there were there were clearly today there clearly today there were commercials that were servicing outside magazines agreements. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm thinking of like that twisted T one that I kept seeing, and you know what is the twisted T? Now you say that, yeah. So what is the? I mean, I got to figure out the, 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 there were way too many ads. I mean, it, it Talbot, was it 50, 50, was it 50% coverage, 50% ads? I'd say probably, probably if that, I don't know. I fell asleep yeah. like towards the end of the bike and then woke back up and saw the last half of the run. I mean, not like I'm not saying it's, I was, this was early in the morning and I was tired. So I would, I would love Andrew Messick to call me up and ask me to do Iron Man commentary because I think I would probably be humbled and find out just how hard it actually is to continuously monologue for like five hours. Because at the moment, I probably don't appreciate how hard it is because I really don't enjoy a lot of commentary. I really, really struggle. But Mark, I thought the same thing. Um, What the hell else would we talk about? You know, you just run out of stuff to talk about. You should watch, like, if you watch cricket in the UK, and I'm guessing baseball is the same, like, you just have to have commentators that can rift on. There doesn't even have to be topics necessarily about triathlon. It's just keeping, like, a steady stream of enjoyment and entertainment. It's like listening to a very long podcast, but you've got something going on in front to feed the podcast. That's what, like, cricket commentating is. I think... yeah, go on, I think one thing that can really help that everyone is not looking at is they need better graphics and timing splits on the right side of the screen. And not only that, you only get those timing splits from more timing mats. So why are they not going to sports stats and saying, look, we want to double the amount of timing mats so we can get more updates. It's, that yeah, is because, mind-boggling to me. Because it's expensive. Talbot, well, I know they, it's expensive, but it's a broadcast. I know, but here's here's the other thing, though, Talbot. Remember what they've always struggled with is, is they've never had a, an amazing producer that understood races that could call the shots on the fly and say, look, we've got a great race happening for the third place yeah. spot. Let's move back to them right now. And it's really got to be that person that can call it on and make game time decisions on hey where are we going to move these motorbikes around to i couldn't agree more we and and even if there were infinite motorbikes it's calling and saying okay look we've got a fantastic race like trevor foley's running up through the field drop a bike back let's follow him coming up through and then it's it's understanding that and obviously if there were more timing mats out for the run you could probably figure out where those battles were happening but ultimately i think it goes to and I want to be very sensitive to the fact that like, I understand all this stuff costs money, but there's a producer that probably needs to really to own that space and go, okay, where are we moving around on, on the field of play? Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, we're not just hating. I mean, we are all incredibly blessed that we are even able to see these races. Now, two years ago, you could even watch a 70.3 out of like a random race in Europe that some big partner would sponsor. And you'd see Jan running in a VIP bib. I mean, we're getting to actually watch these 70.3s now. And so it's just, how can we make it more entertaining? And I guess the big, uh, I guess I'm excited to watch the PTO events, not just tooting their horns. If anyone knows how to do a broadcast, it is them. So I will be incredibly 
intrigued mm. to see and they, how and they they'll screw, do. And they'll, you know, and they're not perfect either. They, you know, they, yeah. they botched the Collins cup, in my opinion, you know, that was right. miserable. And so they, but they'll make up, they'll make up for it somewhere else. Did you not enjoy the Collins cup, Pat? Oh my God. <laughs> Here we go again. I'm ready. You know, I'm gonna look when it's on April, uh, August 21st, or whenever it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna tune in in the morning with an open mind, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna start from scratch there. Water under the bridge, um, Talbot. I think it's all it's fair to say that we can be we can we can provide some critical feedback on the coverage today, but being able to simply just go to outsidetv.com or whatever the website is and watch the race for free. Um, is is a massive uh, step in the right direction for our sport. Yeah, yeah. And then and then lastly, uh, you do see the comments. Why don't they hire the Super League media team or the World Triathlon media team? And I'm sure we're a beaten drum when we say this. It is a completely different game when you do a looped course. Go look at the Daytona coverage. It's around a circle. It's so much easier. Super League around a circle. Not only that, the World Triathlon League. They, it's the same athletes that race every weekend. It's so controlled. It would, I think what you, to what you said, Pat, it would be very helpful if Ironman was to maybe bring an expert in someone like a super fan, like someone like Jordan Blanc or someone that could help educate or if whether they were in the calling trailer to be like, this is what's happening. Mark Matthews, it's, we are going to get him to commentate, but he can tell the director calling the show, look, Matt Hansen's had an incredible run. Look, Rudy Von Berg and them, this is going to be end up coming down to the last column of club, couple of kilometers. Go get send a motorbike out yeah. with them. So yeah. Whatever. Hot takes. So we got hot takes. Is that all the races we've managed to do? Well, we we can talk about the races coming up this weekend. There isn't too much going on. There's Challenge Fulton that has a twenty thousand dollar prize purse with two slots to uh world championship the challenge championship for next year um, outside Vienna. It's supposed to be chilly. I don't know any of the big, big names in the top 100 of the PTO rankings that are racing. Um, and then we also have Ironman Brazil with two slots to Kona. Um, some big names there would probably be Sarah Svensk, um, Angela Nath, Pamela Oliveira, Brittany Higgins, uh, Joanna Ryder. And then for the men, Mikel De Wild, Igor Amarelli, uh, Felipe Santos, Andreas Jung. This whole this extra world champs has has led to some very not soft but unstacked Ironman fields in Lanzarote <laughs> this weekend, Brazil this weekend. Like because what we saw when they did the selection for the um, they changed the way you qualify for Kona, so you have to basically win an Ironman or come second. Like we, then we saw all the pros spread out and go to all the races. So in every yeah. race, there was always a good name. Yeah. Whereas because they've given out all these slots in St George, and everyone's tired after that, we just had two weekends of not easy by any means because the standard of Ironman's come on. But yeah, but Des Moines, okay, Des Moines is shaping up to be a pretty good race. I will say that. So now this would be like an early hot take, Mark. But I'm going to question you on this. So would we prefer that we do a race like? We have another in a non-double championship year. Next year, there's going to be, uh, imagine just another race at St. George, but it's just Ironman St. George. But they're going to give away, again, they're going to give away eight slots. Would we prefer to have a championship level field where everybody's at? And they're going to go, if you get ninth, you could potentially earn a spot. Is that what we'd rather see versus, that's what I'd rather see versus these you know, a race in Lanzarote that's lightly attended, or Ironman Brazil that's lightly attended. What what uh, what is the long term solution if you could wave your magic wand? Well, I, I think it's I, I actually think they're doing quite well these one or two slots because we have so many good athletes now. Yeah. If you hadn't soaked up all these slots because it's all been rolled over from COVID, then the twenty twenty one champs just happens gives out eight fifteen slots deep or whatever. Like, and then I think all those Lanzarote races, suddenly you have one or two big names at each, and we have a constant stream of talk about things, which is what Ironman needs, so what the sport needs. It needs constant attention. So I actually know, Pat, I, I, don't, I don't want an eight-place like eight random race because it's just like a mini preview of the world champs. But to me. To, to, there's, I mean, you got to admit, there's no interesting races outside of Frankfurt and maybe a North American Cup our uh, championship every year. I mean, it all comes well, down to Kona. 
Yeah. I mean, you might see one or two people go head to head, but we've just been fortunate with COVID that we've been seeing stacked start lines. Prior to that, you never saw some very beefed up start list outside of Frankfurt. Frankfurt was always the pinnacle of anything outside of Kona. Agree. It's always the big one, but there's, you know, we've had some great races in like South Africa for a long time. There's always been good fields there, but I do, I know what you mean. Frankfurt's like on the Ironman calendar the next Mm-hmm. the next thing and there's roth of course as well yeah, yeah yeah i personally would like to see them lower the amount of pro rate pro ironman brand races and then just pay deeper at all of those versus us having freaking 570.3s in one weekend it's kind of i think brutal. it's the problem with that is the way they generate the prize money from the host towns etc becomes trickier because then you're asking a few races to put up a lot more but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. With potentially- but then you could take that money that you put from all of the races that you don't have pro races, set aside a chunk of that for the pros that do race at the bigger races. They yeah. Just, I, they just need to leave it. it. They just need to leave it how it is because once there's five PTO races and all the key players are eyeing the big PTO races, it's going to work out. So you just need to be patient is what you're saying. Yep. In just my opinion. Patient. All right. One last 70.3. Uh, how do you say this, Mark? I'm sure you've raced there before. Crotch jaw? It's not a crotch gal. Crotch gal. Oh, yeah, crotch gal. $30,000 prize purse. Uh, Laura Phillip is on the start list. If she's racing, I'm not sure because she's also going to be racing Ironman Hamburg in a couple weeks' time. Um, she's two time champion here. We also have Nikki Bartlett on the start list for the men. Clement Mignon. He races slag. a lot, doesn't he, by the way? Clement Mignon's on this start list as well. Don't yeah. we talk about Clement every week? <laughs> Jesus. He gets a lot of race preview love. 100%. Shout yeah. out. And, he's, and actually, he's quite consistent. Yeah. He's back to win this week. He's had a lot of podiums. A lot of podiums. This was his first win this weekend. So we'll see oh, if nice. he's able to put it together um, for this race. And also Freddie Funk, who had a, a rough go at the Challenge Championship. Yeah, he wasn't. there was something wrong with him today, wasn't there? He, he just looked off. He, Freddie Funk doesn't get beat on the bike like that, ever. Yeah. And then uh, Sebastian Keenley was on the list, and he's no longer racing uh, due to COVID. So heartfelt uh, get back. So we haven't covered the lack of Duffy. That was COVID, was it? Yeah. Chattanooga. And I heard that a lot of people, well, let's just slide slowly into hot takes, were a lot of people sick after Tokyo with COVID? I heard quite a few. Yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, I think there was another athlete. Kevin McDowell. Kevin McDowell. Got COVID. And then um, I, it seemed almost all the posts I read was something didn't feel well or I didn't feel well or things like that. So I wonder if how many people end up getting COVID from um WTSU Oklahoma, so hopefully they're able to mitigate that. Uh, there's always forward. people that get sick after traveling across the world for a race. They come home and they come down with the sickness. I don't think it's anything really new. Let's dive heard. in to sub seven slash sub eight. What, what do we want to dive into here? We're two weeks know. away. What The team's got announced this week. You want to talk about it, Mark? You want to tell us what's going on? Did we not cover the Billy's teams last week? Not really, because I was oh, in a hurry two weeks ago. Um, so the men's teams have got. Oh, we covered the men's teams, did we? So the men's yeah. have got. Yeah, Alex Dowsett, Dan Bingham, um, both had Townfield brothers. The Jed women's Arden, race we didn't cover. Yeah, so the Alistair's team's better than Christians. So I'll just throw that out there. Um, the women, it's interesting. So Kat's gone with um a selection of UK-based female time trialists who um, are very, very, very good. Uh, they're super aero, super nerdy on that sort of thing. I'm proud of it because that's a big sport for us here. Um, so she'll be led by uh, Ruth Astle, who's sit in front of her. This is going to be our game plan. And then we're going to use a couple of teams of time trialists to rotate in front of Ruth. And we'll move the teams of time trialists on and off. Um, like there's, There's... Kelly Murphy's riding for Cat, who's sixth in the World Pursuit Championships. Um, we've got multiple national UK time trial champions. And that's kind of Ruth's, uh, sorry, Cat's team. Um, with India Lee, we'll swim, bike, and run a bit for Cat as well. Yeah, so they're the two triathlon names you'll know. And then on Nicola's side, it's interesting because she's just gone with a lot of Ironman athletes. So Nicola has, um, she's mainly just got like people that, Brett coaches or people around. So um, that was who has she got? She's got India Lee. Um, she's got Amelia Watkins. She's got Els Visor. Imogen got Simmons one. 
Imogen Simmons is in there. She's got um, a couple of amateurs. So she's got a lady called Joe Patterson, who was on Cat's team, um, then moved across, which was fine. And then um, uh, one more, Lizzie, uh, Lizzie Brooke now, who was pro very briefly. But it's, in, it's strange. I, looking at that team, they're gonna. I'm assuming they're gonna just be riding for a very long periods each. Um, so it, what what you will get is an exciting dynamic in that Cat's team will be rotating on and off the track, trying to do a kind of cleverly coordinated short effort approach, whereas Nicholas team will be going with a much more steady state, trying to hold a maximum average pace using, I presume, Joe Patterson, Lizzie Brooke for a very long time. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But she's got. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, she might be on a road bike. One of her. Yeah, that's what I want to know. Two things. One is Louisa Baptista and Nicola going to be on a road bike? I don't know. I mean, like I said before, I hope so. <laughs> and number two, are they going to go sub eight? Yeah, it's much easier for the women to go sub eight than the men to go sub seven. I think. Qu- question for you, Mark. Why? Why couldn't they use male athletes? Just, I think, just uh, just one of the rules. It, it gives it a bit more credibility, gives it a bit more... It makes it more exciting as well because it's actually quite hard to find a team. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's actually quite hard to find female cyclists that ride better yeah. than Kat and Nicola. Like, the girls she's got are, are excellent, but she's raced them all. And there's a couple that, that are faster than her on her team, and there's a couple that Kat beat in natural time trial. And that's, that's as good as we could find in the UK. Whereas if you bought men, it's really easy. You know, you mm-hmm. could just go down and find a bunch of good amateur males, and it kind of takes that I don't know prestige away from it a little bit. I think. Yeah, and and also the second thing that I'm curious to hear or see is, uh, I, I believe we will see a pass at some point during the race. I'm excited to see what unfolds during a pass uh, in the race. Yeah. Like, so it, the unfortunately with the way they're doing it is the team in front that's going to get overtaken the referee car goes up to and it tells them to relinquish track space so they have to move out and so it'll be an undertake and i think the idea is that it makes it short as possible for the team moving fastest when you say you're going to see a pass who are you are you thinking cat passing nicola and possibly christian passing what, what do we think? I, 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 I don't know. I'm just saying that I think that if it happens, it'll be interesting to see a pass. Like, are they not allowed to draft the other team? Or is there like no, a they're not allowed to draft the other team. Oh, and like, okay. But there's, there's, there's follow-on cars as well and a referee car. So unlike cycling where they're used to doing this and they have a commissaire who, I don't know, they'll announce that the co- you know the convoy can come through and they'll, they'll move them, they'll pick a point in the road. It's going to be quite dangerous. Like, you have to be quite careful with that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. What's the, I'm sorry, I'm super, I mean, I've been aware of this, but I haven't checked. What's going to be, is this going to be on YouTube and who's going to be broadcasting? It's, it? it's, they've actually got a lot of, they'll, they'll do an announcement with all the broadcasters, but there are multiple platforms, okay. including some live coverage on different TV channels. And they've also got a, certainly an online streaming platform that you can all watch direct from. Like they've got some good stuff, like each of the team cars, whether the, the coach or whoever will be mic'd up, connected to Zoom, so they can drop into the team cars to try and like spice up the broadcast. The broadcast yeah, team yeah. looks amazing. I, they've, they've got like really exciting broadcasters. Yeah. And I think Talbot and I all remember this from tri battle. I mean, obviously the, the weather was like, couldn't have been any worse. Um, but I, I actually thought the broadcast for being a one verse one format was, uh, they, they took some opportunity and some liberty with with the time that they were given. So given the like the blunders that they had there and, and how boring it could have been, like I'm, I'm excited to hear that. Yeah, it does make sense to have bring bring people into the team cars here and, and talk about some stuff. And I think that that'll be that'll be cool. Yeah, I, and I I think in the men's race they're going with there'll be slightly different approaches to how they use people. So it will at least feed like a different dynamic behind what you're watching. Um, I. I I'm more I'm more confident that I think it'll be an interesting spectacle. I think you might get some close races as well. Um But is Alistair still doing it? As far as I know, yeah, absolutely. He's planning on even he's got his, his team vans going out at the same time as I'm gonna drive across to Germany with my team van and so yeah, no, no, Alistair I, I believe is still doing it, yeah. I gotta remember that this is going on YouTube, so I gotta keep my facial yeah your facial expressions there were terrible i gotta i gotta remember i gotta be kind of neutral i mean this is um i think ultimately that's going to be the only bummer about this is the the men's race is going to be uh not interesting 
but I, I think the unless the teams are really disparate. So unless interesting as in you think Blumenfeld's going to blow away Alistair. I don't think Alistair's going to finish. I think I think there'll be a great show. I think Alistair will come out of the water first, and I think that obviously, how long is the bike course loop? So it's a 16k from the end of the lake to the start of the bike, the stadium, and then it's yep. 5.8k, 27 times 5.8k. So they're doing that. So that's roughly that's roughly a seven and a half minute lap. Um, Alistair's team is so much better than Christian's. They might put a lap into him. Now that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Because like Dan, uh, Matt Botcher and that are super smart. They're working with Christian. Christian's got all his coaches in the world. Yeah, you know, the, lots of these leading thoughts within triathlon are in Christian's team. But Dan Bingham is like the the aero technical director for Ineos. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. like that and, guy and, really knows, and he's an, he's he's the fastest ever British hour record holder. Stuff and, like that. And just going into what I'm saying is going to happen on the run. Like Alistair may have to be a one trick pony for this race and just lay it all out on the bike knowing that he's only going to run 10 or 21 kilometers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's what I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try not to be such a romantic about Alistair again. You know, I want, I, I would love to see him win something huge. So I'm just not going to – I'm, I'm going to go with the form book for once. And the yeah, I guess my my thought is, is like you don't, you don't pull out of uh, Ironman World Championships unless something is wrong. So this isn't me like – I'm not bagging on Alistair here. I've got a massive amount of respect for him. I'm just saying that it, there's like it's a just, legit medical condition going there's on. There's a legit right? medical Maybe. concern yeah. that I have. Thank you, Kyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Right, um, what's this next hot take? 41 million in economic positive impact for St. George. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I, I I threw this in there. There I read a um whatever the local paper is in in uh I don't remember what the county is in St. George, Washington County, Washington County, but they, so they, um, they just wrote a report on the, the economic impact that the Ironman had and, and they placed the value at $41 million for the, for the community. So uh, I thought that that was fantastic. And the paper, you know, really had great things to say about the, about the event and, and just the, how, how on a world stage it, it presented St. George to a really wide audience. And then yeah. also more granular, like what did it do for hotels, restaurants, et cetera. And so um, I thought that was really cool. And then, you know, obviously that's a very meaningful number. And, and for some reason, maybe if, even if it's inflated by a factor of two and you go to 21 million, um, still fantastic for, for what was, what was brought in. And, and all four of us obviously played a part in that. And Nicholas, um, sorry, Daniela Rife. I mean, five percent of that was her bar bill at the after party. <laughs> um, she was making it rain cocktails, which I can't imagine they sell many of in uh, Mormon St. George, Utah. That's right. But, that's uh, right. Yeah, that's really it, positive to hear, isn't it? Yeah. Do you guys know what the economic impact of Kona is? I would mm. guess around eighty, almost. Well, sorry, I mean eighty this next year. I would guess it'd be nearly. What about twenty nineteen? Oh, don't, Google it, don't Google it. Don't Google no, come it. Don't Google it. Come on. Come on. Come on. 19 million. Whatever. Go on. 30. 30 million for 2019. Wow. Oh, so I, w- I would say you'd you'd be see close to 60 million with all, nearly double the people this year going to Kona. Um, also, it being so much more expensive than uh, St. George itself. I mean, in the NBA finals, I mean, I just quickly Googled it brings in 57 million. So, I mean, this is a massive economic impact. I think that hopefully the mayor of Kono sees these numbers and is like, "Yeah, we can't, we can't miss on that again." Yeah, yeah, so, that's, cool. that's great, interesting. Uh, great. PTO points. What do you guys think? We have new PTO points rankings. I'm Our into dude number the, one. I'm into the, these rankings. I don't. I still don't understand the numbers. These need to be I, used all the time. I still don't get it, but I love looking at the charts. I love looking at who's going. I up, love it. I down. think it's incredible. We're still missing uh, some of the top athletes on here. Like I would say, someone like it's not top athletes, but like Martin Van Riel. See him. It'd be cool to see him do two more races to get himself on here. Would love to see someone like Flora Duffy on here. Um, but I mean, I think that this is as accurate. I mean. As much as everyone, all the haters hated on, I would say this is pretty much accurate to the best athletes in the world. And, I agree. And, it, and it reflects form as well, doesn't it? So yes. 
it does reflect form. And um, they've got some of the races need to go, like Daytona 2020 is still a scoring race here. Let yeah, me just yeah. check if that's I'm just checking to see if Anne's still using that. Uh, 101, yeah. So there are still people in the top five, top ten using that as a scoring race. But otherwise, I'm agreed. Like, we were such skeptics at the start, but the more data they have, the more races they seem to be able to put down, the more this balances mm-hmm. out. To when you glance at it and you look at it, you're like, that's that's pretty much right. Like, yeah, the top 10, those people are all in the top 10, sure. Yeah, yeah I think it's I think it's excellent. And and not only that, if you everyone remembers in 2020 or 2021, I think Laura Phillip was, I don't want to say cherry picking some races, but race some Ironman events with not stacked start fields. She you, you won't be able to dodge the big races this year, especially I am a 100% support of the uh, bonus percentages at world championship events, including the PTO events. That's where you're going to see the biggest uh, start starting that's lines. Not, that's not quite what it is though. So it's two, it's 5% point bonuses at the two PTO events, isn't it? And then it's one 10% bonus of your best Ironman score. Have they added more bonuses? No, no. Well, then maybe not. I'm I'm just looking yeah. at ten percent for uh, for no, so Christian and Ironman. Yeah, no. So it's, yeah. it's that's ten percent for your best Ironman score. Iron so Man you could still cherry pick a race. So you could yeah. still go. Let's say go and do I don't know Ironman Brazil, Hamburg, and mm-hmm. she can still get a ten percent score because yeah. that is your best Ironman score. The thing is, they tend to get better points at the World Championship races because people turn up in the best mm-hmm. form possible and they do their best possible race. But there will be a bonus at the PTO events, correct? Yes, yeah, so the two PTO events have a 5% point bonus. Yeah. So the best, I mean, theoretically, you need one great Ironman and two good results at those PTO races and you're completely mm-hmm. untouchable. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So I, I, I love it. I think, I think it's, personally for me, I think that it would be really cool to see Ironman adapt this for the Ironman World Championships. Take the what top 40 for Ironman World Championships. Take the top 40 athletes that want to race in the Ironman. And if someone denies their slot, let's pick someone on here, uh, like a 70.3 athlete uh, on here. Let's just say Rudy Von Berg. He hasn't raced in Ironman yet. But if he's like, I don't want it, they, they Ironman. Yeah, but then you, just, then you don't have people racing Ironman all year. There's lots of athletes that would just do 70.3s, get high enough up there, then just race one Ironman. Yeah. Well, they no, could, well, couldn't they? They, they could just, they could just, yeah. But as part of that scoring, they could just put you've got to have an Ironman brand. Yeah. You got to have an Ironman branded event as part of your PTO scoring. Yeah, it's definitely your option. Scoring. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of cool, Tal, but I, um, because then here's the thing: it it avoids what we just talked about, which is what kind of grinds my gears is going to these soft races. And, and knowing that if you just have to win or get second, that you're going to auto earn your spot. Like, I, I, I don't know. I guess I like, I like the way these, the, the points piece is shaping yeah. up. ITU obviously does a very similar thing with points. So I am used to seeing them. I just understand the score much easier in ITU than I do for PTO. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, uh, Talbot, I like your idea. The yeah. other thing too, is I love seeing the PTO hub, uh, which is PTO's YouTube do, videos on athletes rising in the rankings i think at the start of this you saw all the uh lower tier pros or whatever being like oh this is just helping the rich get richer and then you see someone like sam go from a 250th ranked professional athlete to being ranked in the top 10 now i mean it's it's cool to see athletes continue to work i know athletes are aiming at this now i mean i even recently talked to eric lagerstrom he's like i want to be ranked in the top 40 or top 50 so i can go to the pto tour so I like it. I like it a lot. And then what do we think about uh, the Collins Cup rankings? I don't think they've listed who the top four are yet for the team for all the teams, but as it sits right now, I mean, the uh, first... I mean there's so much racing to do between now and then. I mean, at the moment, it's, it's for the men, it, it, the European teams, Christian Blumenfeld, Gustav Eden, uh, Daniel Backergaard, Jan Fredino, guaranteed slots. Pretty solid. Take that, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, North America, you've got Lionel Sanders. Sorry, the rest of the world. Lionel Sanders, Braden Curies would be in that. Um, and then it, they've got quite a jump down. Maybe Sam Appleton, Carl Smith. They've got the auto call there. Yeah. America at the moment. Uh, Sam Long. Sam Long, Christopher Leifman, Rudy Von Berg, Ben Hoffman. Fine. You know? Like, mm-hmm. 
that makes complete and utter sense. So it does seem to like be translating quite well. The where it stops making sense is the people then don't get a slot because they happen to be Europeans. That's where it's it, that's where it starts to be harder to understand. So like automatic qualifiers, European women are the top four in the world. Get this. All right, here's one for you. Lucy Charles is not automatically qualifying for the Collins Cup at the moment because she's had she's been off injured for what four months, five months. And that's bumped her out because she's it's just the top four are all European. Emma Pallant Brown, who's been on form the last month, yeah, doesn't have a slot. Yeah. Holly Morris doesn't have a slot. Do you think we'll see a point where Great Britain has their own team? They absolutely So there's four teams. They absolutely ruled that out, didn't they? Yeah, Yeah. I just said no. But we, we we will see earlier PTO tour events when they add two more next year. So it's yeah, of course, yeah. So, I mean, I think every triathlon is in a good spot. Remind me where the other two uh, PTO Asia Pacific and Europe. Okay. Okay. Have they said if it's going to be in Europe, like at Samarin or where they they don't, they don't plan on having it be in Samarin. I do know Singapore was trying to bid it out. um, Wanting to sign like a 10 year contract. Uh, For the Asian one. Yeah. And I'm like, as hot and miserable as that'd be, it'd be pretty freaking cool. (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to go to Singapore personally, but they could have it like the week before the Singapore Grand Prix for Formula One, and then I could just stay for both races. That would be primo. Um, but yeah, one last hot take. I put this one on here because it was DM'd from a, uh, one of our fans. If everything is a championship, nothing is a championship. So essentially, what we saw was we saw Ironman World think, Championship. I think that's a risk of the PTO at the moment for a short period of time. I think it's a very fair challenge. If you have PTO top races, you have Ironman World Champ races, then you have people trying to finish the points at the top, then you have people trying to get into the Collins Cup. Like I see the threat he's saying there. It dilutes the sheer value of that one like winning Kona was everything in the long course game. Now you can have a very successful career. People can legitimately argue that you're better than the Kona winner if you win two PTO races, et cetera, et cetera. I, yeah, it's a fair challenge. This I'm, is, I'm, this I'm is 100% the... for it. There's so many sports that are like this outside agree, of yeah. NBA and NFL that have crowned one best team of the year. Uh, I mean, we literally were just at the U.S. Open yesterday watching Tiger and all them. I mean, it's it's the end of the year rankings. Who's the best in the world that year? And not everyone can win Kona. I mean, it goes back to the same thought. Like, I'm 100% for it. Are you on the books with the PTO now? No, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm like, this just makes more sense. Like, if, if the Ironman World Championship was rotating, uh, for the professionals, I know that it gets very emotional when people talk about people want to race Kona, but like, this just makes more sense. You will see the best well rounded athlete, sorry, long course athlete at the end of the year, not just the best Kona racer. Which I usually do. does, I would yeah. say, sorry, Pat, it usually does translate to the best well-rounded athlete, the, uh, the winner of Ironman World Championship in Kona. But I, but I think that, yeah. Yeah, so ITU obviously has this, you know, this problem, right, where they, they switched, uh, I think, in 2009 from a one-day world championship to a series championship similar to Formula One. So in the, what they've tried to do to combat that is they have at the final race of the year, they have what they call a grand final. And that's supposed to kind of feel like a world championship within a world championship. Um, you know, there's a few more points on the line, but I still don't. It doesn't necessarily feel like a it doesn't have that same feeling, obviously, that St. George just had two weeks ago. Right. It's a big deal, but it's it's a little bit more. Um, nuanced. And I remember I can think of in 2015 when Javier Gomez came across the line in Chicago in third, but he won the world championship. He's just as ecstatic and it just feels a little, it feels a little weird, I guess, but I get it. Do you think I'm going to post one, I'm going to post one thing real quick. Do you think that there will ever be a scenario where someone is chasing the money of the PTO prize money versus chasing a world championship? I don't let's say let's say they're not the same person. Let's say they're not the same person. I don't, I don't know, know what you mean. I, no, I see what you mean. Like he can either go to the world championships to try and win a world champs, or they can sandbag, go to a different race, oh. try and scape some more points 
to get the point bonus. We, like, we, there was definitely that consideration. Yeah, we said not? it earlier this year. This might be the last competitive, truly competitive Ironman World Championship in Kona year that we ever seen depth of field wise. Because I think that a lot of athletes will realize at the end of this year, why would I put all my eggs in the Kona basket when I could just go race a PTO races? I think you'll forget literally... what sponsors value. I think, I think it'll change over much... time. They might do, but it won't be overnight. Depth, the... I, I do think, yes, the best will show up in Kona, but depth of field, why would fifth place go to Kona? Like, like the, if he knows he's not going to win, why would he put, he all, put all of his eggs in I'm, the basket? Talbot, I'm not. Mm, I, I think yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you, Talbot. I think it is going to be something there. The reality is, is that Kona is – is still just so far in front of what everybody else cares about. Like just nobody cares who wins PTO Edmonton race yet. I'm not it's never happened. Who, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but I'm saying I'm no saying one cares anything. who was ranked one in the world last year. People care about who won the Ironman world champs. Of the yes. World. I don't care. Who, I don't even know who was ranked one in the world at the end of last year, that's but great. I do know that's who great. won the Ironman world champs. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I, and I think, I don't know that it'll always stay that way, but I, I see it's going to take some time to change oh, that. A hundred percent. That's what I'm saying though, is it will change over time. As long as, as long as the PTO becomes profitable and that survives, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think a big key is Ironman is going to have to put up more prize money in Kona. Going to have to. I and still deeper. can't believe Kyle, you pulled that zinger at the oh, press Kyle. conference. Kyle was trembling. Kyle asked, the, the listeners didn't know this. Kyle asked a question at the pro press conference the Ironman World Champs with his media pass on with Pro Tri News and he was literally goosebumps shaking with excitement. You made No, it. I wasn't shaking with excitement. I was scared for my life because I thought Andrew Messick was going to come off that stage and rip my pro you know uh, pro credentials off my neck. Kyle's a fair is a is a is a real fair question. I think you could share it with the audience. Yeah, so essentially what happened is at the pro press conference, um Andrew Messick was up there chatting about how um, it's new beginnings, moving the world champs away from Hawaii and doing it in St. George to be able to give everyone what they want, which is a world championship that everyone deserves. Um, and then a reporter had asked a question previously because he asked for questions and a reporter, I can't remember where she was from, but she asked um, about going back to Kona versus moving it around. And um, he was kind of hammering at home that we're going to be able to have two days of racing. The men's are going to race on one day. Women are going to race on another day. Um, and it was kind of driving that ship home and I raised my hand and then I said, Andrew, with there being two days of racing, there's now double the amount of revenue, um, to be able to be put up. Are you going to pay the pros more? I did not asking for double the revenue or anything like that. It was just simply the question of, is it something that you thought of? Yeah. And the answer was no, the PTO paying them plenty basically was, was essentially the answer. And not only that, uh, for the people listening that get Kyle's and my voice confused, Andrew walked off the stage and looked at his PR person and said, did you hear the question that Talbot asked? Brilliant. And I was so, like, that wasn't me. <laughs> sorry for putting you in a tough spot, Talbot. Jeez. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was I, – I would go back now and say um, – Obviously, my name and uh, things like that, and who were with. Oh, mate, just, you did great. Good for you. No, it was, it was to, a fair question. And yeah. and look, let's be fair to Iron Man. Um, there, you know, Talbot saw the media report that, and I think Mark, I think all three of us saw the media report that I generated. Um, Iron Man's product is they're they're trying, they're 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 trying to get better, and they're and they are trying to, they are featuring athletes. They're not trying, they're doing it. Um, and. You know, and I think if I go back and recap and look at, you know, the posting that they were doing on their social media, it is it is athlete centered. It is athlete focused. And I and I think uh, everybody's seeing a better product because of it. And they did up the prize purse from Kona 2019 to now, obviously yeah. due to inflation as well. But uh, that's, yeah. that's besides the point. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Uh, one last thing. Do we want to talk about if coaches matter? No, um, let's save that debate. It's, me, it's just me. It's just me and Talbot debating the extent in which co- coaches matter. We both clearly yeah. agree that coaching matters. Talbot seems to think it's. I worship them more than Mark yeah. does, and I think it's. I think there's a little bit more interchangeable. I think there's. It's rarer to find a great athlete than it is a great coach. I'm. I'm literally Mark. I'm sitting there on the uh, 18th green watching Tiger putt yesterday, and I was like, 
I wonder how important the caddy is. Very important. <laughs> literally, yeah, yeah. yeah so when, Tiger was at, when Tiger was at his prime, Tiger's caddy was from New Zealand and was the highest paid sportsman in New Zealand. That's Are you wild. serious? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caddy is really important. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. More well, important we're fastly, we're fastly approaching yeah. one hour. Yeah. Fastly we're, we're approaching done. one hour. We want to get and let's put some. Can we just Kyle Queen? Can I put in a request for some more like hot takes and just can they slide into the Pro Try News Instagram DMs and, and always have, that might be a, a good avenue because I think we like we like jamming on these. Yeah, and it's something good for us to debate because obviously we run out of things to talk about and we text during the week and we roll our hot takes sometimes a little too fast and don't get to talk about them on the podcast. So um, if you have something that you think about, slide in our DMs and say hey. Uh, why is six afraid of seven? And we'll debate it for 15 minutes and tell you why seven, eight, nine. So um, be sure to check out Inside Tracker. Go to insidetracker.com forward slash pro try news, get 20% off and take your trading to the next level. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week.